0: Welcome back, Billiken fans. It's Zach Miller and Peter Hale. This is the Midtown Madness podcast. Before we get going, if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to hit those like and subscribe buttons. Make sure you get every episode uh, pushed to your YouTube account. Uh, This episode and the whole season of the Midtown Madness is brought to you by Two Men in a Garden. Not only is it Billiken season, but it's fall. And I can't think of a, a season that, you know... Salsa doesn't fit well in, and and fall is a season. So, uh, you know, whether you like it mild or hot, chunky or cantina style, the people over at Two Men have you covered. Uh, You can pick up their many products at any local grocery stores or online at twomeninagarden.com. Follow them on Twitter and Instagram, at Two Men Salsa. Peter, Pete, Pete, Pete. We have a dynasty on our hands. You know what? I think i'm gonna make a statement right now katie shields is the greatest coach slu has ever hired
1: um so you're talking all sports all time
0: all sports all time
1: mm, wow that's i mean that's a that's a big statement there's the,
0: the reason and and i'd have to go back and refresh on men's soccer head coaches because i don't know Cause I feel like they had like what Galker was kind of the the main one. But again, you're talking about like, it's like playing. I feel like that's like having the best pickleball team in the country back then. Right. <laughs> like it's an up and coming sport. It's not, uh, there's not a lot of people playing it easier to get Scott. I, I think with the amount of teams in division one, the amount of talent nationwide, I think Katie Shields, has done more for women's soccer than any coach in Billiken history has done for a sport.
1: Wow. Certainly, I think that's fair to say in the modern era. Uh, Five conference titles in a row. um, I guess, what is that? Four regular season plus the five conference tournaments in a row um, is pretty spectacular. Um, I don't know
0: if if you tell me that that's if you say that's what the basketball team did i i mean like that's i mean it's a no-brainer right
1: right so yeah, oh, that, that would be i mean think of how we would feel if we won the next five a10 tournaments and four of the next five regular seasons you know i mean that would that would be we'd be incredible uh,
0: i i have a a horribly not safe for work expression for what i would be doing if if that, I, I mean, that I just, I can't fathom it. Um, yeah. The Billikens are up to number eight, and we're talking women's soccer. We're gonna open up with women's soccer. Why? Because they're champions. Yeah. And we love champions. Uh, women's soccer, RPI number eight, uh, up one spot from 89 as of October 30th. This team, scary good around Halloween.
1: They are. Yeah. Yeah. Up, like you said, up, up one spot from number nine and the RPI. And that number eight is important. That's uh, that's a crucial number to keep in mind as we head into the NCAA selection show uh, tomorrow. Um, it's going to be the difference between, you know, potentially a two seed and a three seed slew looks like it's right on the line right now with that RPI. Now that's as of a week ago, uh, you know, lot's happened in the week since then would love to see this team slide into a two seed, And, and, you know, we'll get into that more later, um, as we kind of, uh, you know, go through these games and what they accomplished this week, but also in the rankings act, they're number 10 in the coaches poll, uh, which you got, believe you. And I think is a little n- low number five by college soccer news, number 10, top drawer soccer, no change in any of those from the previous week. So they've held the line there and all they've done since then is win two games.
0: Yeah. Uh 2-0 win not not only have they won two straight games they haven't given up a goal in three and among the three goal the three games in the a10 tournament they essentially won by they won nine nothing which is essentially three forfeits it's it's literally they won as if these three teams did not show up <laughs> yeah. um and I'm not ta- that that's not me taking away from the Billikins accomplishment at all that's just uh, like I'm saying, that's how many goals they they beat these teams by. Uh, a 2-0 win for six-seed St. Joe's in the A-10 semifinal on Wednesday. Uh, this was a much better game from St. Joe's than the previous yeah. week, Pete.
1: Yeah, much better. They were way more aggressive. They didn't look scared. Uh, they won a lot more 50-50 balls. They were uh, just, just quicker, more aggressive getting to the ball. And I th- their goalie, Katie Capaletti, uh, kind of stood out in particular. I thought the defense overall was good. Um, But she alone saved this from being a bigger win that first game against St. Joe's slew getting those two early goals. I think it was the third and fifth minute. uh, They, they just were completely defeated. I mean, you could just see it. It was over Um, this one, you know, slew gets one early, but to St. Joe's credit, they did not give up at all.
0: Yeah, no, they, I mean, like the PKs. I, you know, I thought one of them might've been soft, but again, the Billikens get two PKs in this one. Uh, Abby Miller in the sixth minute gets a PK. It's gotta be, you know, just demoralizing to a six seed. Uh, you you're starting off the game on the front foot. Uh, you're really putting some pressure on the Billikens. They looked dangerous and, and for them to give up a PK in the sixth minute, just, I mean, that's gotta be, that's okay. That, that's right. it. Yeah, I mean is. the Billikens don't miss on PKs.
1: Right. And it is demoralizing, but Caroline Kelly is just so dangerous when she gets in, in deep. Um, she was taken down from behind. You know, she, she 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 was coming off a long ball. I thought uh it wasn't like a like a a no-doubter like card or anything like that, but a foul's a foul. It was in the box, and they didn't really have any choice um but to give it, I don't think. Um, and then Abby Miller just kind of coolly put it away. So um so, yeah, Slew's on the board, 1-0, but uh, but that was the only goal for a long time, Zach.
0: Yeah, it was. Not until the 71st minute. Uh, not a single goal in the run of play in this game. Caroline Kelly uh, gets a takes, a takes and makes a penalty kick, Pete.
1: Yeah, this time uh, it was her again drawing the foul in the box. Um, and she got to, t- to take it um, herself this time. Uh, the keeper actually read it correctly and got a good piece of it. But uh, luckily, she hit it hard enough that it still ended up in the top right corner. Um, so like you said, they don't really miss on these. And those were so both really well struck. Um, so it was impressive uh, for her to, to uh, you know, she, she, she got to do it herself this time. I don't know how what all goes in the decision making process, you know, like who takes it on any given one. But uh, but there's got to be, like, an extra level of pride when it's, like, the foul that you drew.
0: Yeah, I think there used to be some sort of, like, uh, superstition out there in soccer that uh, the person that draws the foul never takes the PK. Uh, yeah. It's just bad luck or something. I don't know. Uh, while, this, while St. Joe's did play a better game in this one, uh, the Billikens certainly could have been called dominant. Uh, shots were 22 for the Billikens, uh, 5 for St. Joe's. 14 of the slew shots came in the second half. And a lot of those were actually after the second goal here.
1: Yeah. And this is where I say Capoletti kept them in that because um, she had five saves in the second half um, eight in the game, which, I mean, that's a pretty big number for a game that was just two nil, Um, you know, slew putting 10 shots on goal to St. Joe's three. So yeah, it sounds like those numbers are kind of imbalanced, but that really ran up in the last 20 minutes or so um, as St. Joe's um, had to get a little more, uh, you know desperate to try and score and the field got stretched out a little bit and slew found themselves open a lot more um they 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 played a really solid game overall st. joe's compared to what we had seen from them before but slew st- still ended up with the edge and shots like he said corners were 9 nothing slew um and then not many fouls in this game only 4 for slew 6 for st. joe's pretty clean game and um and and yeah it 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 really was not not the kind of blowout that we may have expected after the last time we saw St. Joe's, but I don't think SLU took anything for granted in this one and, um, and just played a solid game to take care of business.
0: Yeah. You mentioned Capaletti. She took home uh, all tournament team honors in this one, rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, there was, you know, obviously there's always going to be talk about Piraselli anytime she's left off a list. Uh, unfortunately, she just gets penalized because her back line is stellar. Yeah. Uh, 4-0. Billy can win today. When you hear this, it'll be yesterday. Uh, 2 seed Dayton in the final at Herman on Sunday the sixth. Uh, it, it's Sunday. It's Sunday finals, man. It, it's the, this team just wins. It's I mean the, this game was again they dominated them. After we, this was a game we were a little cautious about. I think in the lead up because of the 2-1 uh, win at Dayton, but they showed that being back at Herman where they know the field better than anyone else, uh,
1: 4-0. You know, this This had, uh, I guess, trap game written all over it too. I mean, this is, you know, when, when I was looking at everything going into this game, it's like not only uh, as you just referred to a 2-1 kind of close game at Dayton, um so we know this is this is the number 2 seed for a good reason. They're a good team. Um you know along with probably VCU the the best other teams in the league that we play this year. Um they know SLU better than any other team in the league. They've played well because of that weird covid season where they played four times and then most other seasons recently they've played twice cuz they see him once in the regular season and usually run into him in the tournament. It's just kind of how it's worked out. SLU had won the last 10 against Dayton heading into this one. And I just, every time we face Dayton now, I kind of get nervous. Like for the number two team in the league to lose 10 straight to the top team, I just always feel like, uh, is this the day they've got our number? Is this the day? Is this the day? Uh, Today was not the day. No,
0: (laughs) it was not.
1: For all of those trap game um, potential factors there, it just didn't work out that way at all um slew was incredible in this game zach i know you were you were there in person i was watching on my phone as i was cleaning the house and uh and and i had to stop a lot to watch what was going on in this one
0: yeah this one was fun i think i think when you you talk about the trap game and and a lot of what i have kind of been tweeting on our social media has been kind of a a, a lot of pre-game stuff hmm. uh and i really i really think that the billikens Oh, the way they come out in these kind of games where not I don't even know if this, this isn't really a trap game, you know, St. Joe's could have been a trap game, but like the, the even trap game versus high pressure conference final, I, the vibes are still, they're upbeat. They're, you know, having fun. They're doing, you know, their handshakes and they you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're just enjoying the pregame music and, they're having fun. They're watching is- Ismail up at the camera booth dancing, like they're they're like I, I, they're interacting with. It, it's just this team has this like ah we've been here before, whatever kind of feel. And but in a good way.
1: No, you're right. I mean they they do they do a good job of kind of staying and seeming loose uh, before games. Yes. Um, which St. Is something- Joe's
0: was all business on on uh, Wednesday night. And Dayton, Dayton had a little, they had a little bounce, uh, but, but SLU just, I mean, you got, when they're at home, they're in their element, they're just, you know, they, they know how to handle the moment.
1: They do. And there was part of me that wondered, you know, given that I thought this was kind of a trap game, um, how does that change the mindset going into the NCAA tournament now? Like they're, they're still carrying the longest winning streak in the country by far. It's what up to 18 now. I think so. They've got the most wins in the country, the most goals in the country. And yeah, you can say all you want about the teams that are in the ACC, SEC, PAC 12, playing those other top level teams every week. All SLU can do is beat the teams in front of them. And they've done that. And I don't care what conference you're coming from to win 20 out of 21 games in a regular season is incredible. And, and to uh,
0: win, to win your conference tournament without conceding a goal. Yes.
1: Yes. Uh,
0: in the last two games, eleven shots they they allowed on. Wait, uh, so yeah, eleven shots on goal in the mm-hmm. last two games, and I
1: think the game
0: before was zero. I yeah. can, I, I, <laughs>
1: I. Well, it's, but
0: it's a great guess.
1: But now you're I, and. And you're getting everybody's best shot too. Yes. You know, like these are not, these are, these teams aren't just rolling over, you know, like as the season goes on, our schedule got a little We're bit pissed tougher off and teams are getting a second shot at them in the tournament. Um, not to mention, I mean, Dayton being their natural rival, it's just, um,
0: and Katie this is not Hauck. an
1: easy thing to do. Katie, how yeah.
0: transferring out of, out of Dayton to Slough. like that's insult to injury at this point. Again, yeah. I think we talked about it in the off season, um, but let's get down to brass tacks in this game. Twentieth uh, minute, Hannah Larson assisted from Emily Gork.
1: Yeah, just this,
0: a, this one bounced around a little bit, and I, I didn't know I, I I thought the keeper should have had it, but I don't know what you saw from the TV.
1: It well, it 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 was a play that looked like it had broken, been broken up. Um, you know, luckily Larson got a second shot at it because her first one was deflected wound up at the feet of a Dayton defender looked like it was going to get out of there and bounced around a little bit and finally it wound up um at Groark's feet who who put it back to Larson and gave her a second chance and I I I bet that Dayton goalkeeper wishes she had a second chance at this one too because it wasn't struck all that hard she just kind of tucked it in the near corner and um Dayton's goalie got a lot of it and and (laughs) so she it's definitely one of those where she's kicking herself after that play, probably a, a, something she would have stopped four out of five times. Um, but, but luckily Larson put just enough on it to get it in there. Yeah. And to me, it looks like, you know, Slew creates a lot of these kind of opportunities. They get some bodies in front of the net. They create a lot inside the box. Um, and, but it just looked like a routine broken up play, you know, we'll get them next time. So I, I was really surprised we came away with a goal on that play actually.
0: Uh, 42nd minute, the Diego Costa of St. Louis University Women's Soccer. Emily Gabey gets the Billikens on the board. Uh, She got in on net on a beautiful ball from Hannah Sawyer.
1: That that was an incredible ball. It was almost like you say Diego Costa. It was like watching Man City and watching uh, Kevin De Bruyne hit uh, uh, Holland, strike, streaking up the middle. It's like as soon as B gets the ball, kind of an attacking mid position when he's got some room in front of him, you just see Holland put his head down and run. Like he doesn't look back, nothing. He just knows the ball's going to get to him. And Gaby here did that same thing. I mean, she went on a run. She saw it coming together and uh and put her head down and ran and the ball got to her like you said beautiful ball two Dayton defenders to beat it was basically a one-on-two but Gaby just kind of split the middle and then I love she puts her arm out to the right a little bit and and it was just kind of like to give that other defender like nope nope you're this is between me and the goalie now you're done (laughs) you're done this is between me and her you're out of this. (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, and and what else does Gaby do but score? And there wow. it was. I was getting ready to, like, I was thinking, okay, one, nothing at halftime. I'll take yeah. it. That's going to be all right. Um, And then this play, they just, they kind of created out of nothing. And and man, oh man, what a goal.
0: You mentioned Gaby making the runs all night or all day. And I, I swear around the 80th minute, she's looking over at the bench like, Katie, I've played more minutes in this game than I have all year. Yeah. Yeah. Get me out of here. Like <laughs> she
1: plays hard, man. I too. am
0: I am I am making 20 30 yard runs every 3 minutes. Like what mm-hmm. are we doing? Get get somebody in here. Yeah. Uh but she was phenomenal in this game. Uh Hannah Frederick uh, gets a goal in the 53rd minute this one assisted from Emily Gork.
1: Yeah, this one was cool too. And 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 really the main story on this one is I believe this gave uh, Hannah Frederick the all-time uh yes. slew record for points. She just that moved past great. uh Jamie Perry uh who who was there in my era and uh and so yeah, she's now the all-time points leader with a chance to to add to that in the NCAA tournament. So that that was really the the main story here for me. That was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, this one was probably the prettiest goal I thought of the game um just an uh, an excellent run down the side and cut it back yeah. to the middle for uh, an easy goal frederick's not gonna miss from there ever
1: no no uh, she's not uh
0: caroline kelly in the 86th minute just to twist the dagger a little bit more
1: yeah hannah larson had a big day here and sets up kelly um it, by the time kelly got this ball there was nothing to do but score she was probably uh what five yards in front of the box and had all the room in the world. she did have one in the first half where um she just put she had kind of a similar it was a little bit tougher uh ball and just put it right at the goalie. I think she was a little bit further out a little bit tougher angle um but you get her a second look like that in front of the net and she's not going to miss it and it was it was for nothing and that was that
0: um go ahead and run us down the standing or the stats in this one.
1: So, Slew outshot Dayton 19 to 8. Um, shots on goal were 10 to 2, uh, which means Dayton had six saves on the day. Uh, corners, Dayton actually had four to Slew's three. I did notice we didn't have as many corners today, but didn't think they had more than us. Um, fouls, Slew 19 to 11, uh, Dayton 11. And uh, Slew did have a yellow card. Heckle had one in the 70th minute that I thought was, yeah, it was a foul, but a yellow I thought was a little hard. Um, that was a little rough and, and, uh, the, the, the fouls too were kind of interesting because the ref was definitely like, she warned Gaby in the first half at one point after, uh, she fouled somebody way deep in the left corner, um, down on the, on, on the bench side. Um, so, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a physical game for some of our players and, and, uh, you know, like we said that game before, slew has four fouls. Uh, an additional 15 in this one, they, they let them know. Attendance sack was just about 2,900 people. And uh, that's a great, great turnout for this game. It was a, a beautiful day. I mean, like it looked like. I, I
0: thought it was it was cold as balls this morning. And, and then it got hot and I'm wearing sweats and a jacket at the game. I'm always cold. And all of a sudden I am baking out there like a toasted cheeser. <laughs>
1: Yeah. But, but nonetheless, I mean, great crowd and slew absolutely delivered in this one. I mean, you know, it, it's, yes, it, it, it made me think of the, uh, unfortunately the only loss this season that Notre Dame game was uh, that it was the lightning delay game. Yes. And so you've got your biggest crowd of the season. Everybody's so hyped for this game, the biggest opponent of the year coming in and you've got like an hour and a half lightning delay. And then, you know, slew never looked great in that game. Um, really Dan betlack
0: had a line about that on the broadcast, didn't he? About how he had, he like, he's the uh, jinxes things on the broadcast constantly. Like, it's like, we've yes. never had a lightning delay yeah. and then they have a lightning delay. He
1: said, I've been doing this for nine years and we've never had one. And then, uh, and then they had one, yes. but today could not have been a nicer day. And so when you've got 3,000 people out there um, to deliver this kind of performance against the number two seed in the conference um, and, and win that fifth straight, just to underline that fifth straight conference tournament. Wait, um, hold on.
0: Is it back to back to back <laughs> to back to back a ten yeah. tournament
1: championships? That's obscene. It really is. I think it's it's harder to do to win the conference tournament so many consecutive years like mm-hmm. that than to actually win the regular season. I think so too. As crazy as that sounds, because if you're the team that's already got that much talent, like. The conference tournament is just a different thing you know it's you're going to lose games here and there in the regular season and still win the regular season but you have to be perfect in a conference tournament that many years in a row it's an amazing thing to do um, um
0: all tournament team pete uh lindsey heckle scored twice for the Billikins in the early rounds was named the most outstanding player of the championship uh Gork, larson and kelly also named uh Stram, Hauk, and Halverson as well. Uh and then obviously the two goalies for Dayton and St. Joe's were the uh that's the only other non billicans on a team. Yeah, well that's there were th-
1: there were three Dayton players. Um Oh yeah, we don't care. And then the goal, the goalie from from St. Joe's Capoletti, and then it was it was a bit Oh yeah, Gamelli Gamelli uh, Rada Rada Ra- 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 is that that's yeah, the right goalie, right yeah, yeah yeah and then ben gino okay or, uh from from ud was also on there so yeah,
0: they, they don't matter
1: right but um, it was just like, it was just like the regular season seven out of 11 spots went to slew
0: um it's like we are um we're allocated spots
1: <laughs> yeah capped at seven
0: yes um the the selection show pete three two two thirty central time tomorrow uh, i believe they generally do it on ncaa.com uh so yeah that's where it's gonna be it's, it's definitely taped and then they just air it like hmm. it's a youtube premiere because it's it's weird how they do it does it um, now
1: does it actually so two st louis time does it actually start at do they start naming teams at two thirty 30 or do, do it's they...
0: quick it's pretty quick they okay. they don't draw it out like i mean because it's not like on it's not like a big tv show it's just a show
1: okay and um, where can we where can we stream that ncaa.com okay yeah all right uh, i think I will, I will that's
0: generally where they do it uh but i, I think there we did retweet uh Stu's tweet or somebody's tweet about uh yeah like where to watch it
1: so where to watch it
0: yeah it's uh it's stl today sports news uh has a link out and we retweeted so did uh, a 10 women's soccer fans
1: so do you, uh, how, how are you feeling here? Do you think we're going to get that two seed or do you think, uh, or do you think it's going to be a three? I mean, that's um, actually kind of a big difference in terms yes, of
0: yes that's another,
1: is. that's another round at home, you know, like that's another, uh, yeah, that's, it's a huge deal. Cause, cause it is campus sites up until the final four. Do, I, I,
0: I don't know. I wonder about that because we talk about, you know, having momentum going into games, Sometimes you know if you're that lower seed, uh, sometimes you've already played a game and you got your legs back under you from after that championship buildup. you know you've already mm-hmm. kind of settled back into what you need to do for the tournament. Um, so it, it's it's an intriguing scenario. And I, I would like to see them get a two seed. I think uh, if anything the, fi- the past five years in the NCAA tournament, uh, kind of says they should. Yeah. I think you should get up at this point. I think it's a legacy pick, uh, as, and it should be. So uh, uh, we'll see tomorrow. And we've got a full day, full day of Billiken athletic related things. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. We sure do women's basketball, at 10 AM, um, the selection show at two 30. And then of course, Billiken men's basketball in the evening. Uh, And speaking of Billiken men's basketball, we're bringing on Kai from Three Man Weave, uh, who was part of the uh, Field of 68's Almanac. He did the Billiken entry, and we interviewed him, and that's coming up right now. Billiken fans, now we welcome in co-founder of the Three Man Weave, Kai, who was tasked with the Billiken entry into the Field of 68, which explicitly puts the Billikens in third place in the A-10 this season. Kai, what the hell?
2: I know. Well, hey, first of all, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. Appreciate it. Of course. Uh, I'm from St. Louis, so the Bills are, you know, somewhat in my in my uh, part of my life growing up, we'll say. So I have a I have soft spot for Slew. Maybe I'm a little bit biased to where I put them third uh, just to kind of protect my heart a little bit, we'll say.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah
1: so did you did you write up the whole a10 then i did i did the whole a10 yep okay so the so this this third place is is purely your your choice it's
2: it's just me all right (laughs) i'm the guy you should you you should be yelling at
0: what about vcu uh do you think entices you more defense okay that's That's, fair. I think
2: that's fair yeah i what were they top five last year in kempom defensively um that's elite And if you're a lead on one side of the ball, I think that kind of trumps being pretty good on both ends, right? And defense, I think it's overlooked quite a bit. And VCU's got the track record of having a great defense every single year. SLU is very good on both ends, year in, year out. Um, I just think the VCU elite defense gave them the bit of an edge for me.
1: I mean, they had multiple games last year where they scored like 40-something though, right?
2: Yeah, but they also have a guy, Jameer Watkins, coming back from injury. Uh, they dealt with ace baldwin being out of the lineup first what six games last season and they were a lot better offensively when he came back so i I expect sort of a bounce back offensively for them won't be as good as slew on that end but they're not going to be total crap either you mentioned
0: a guy coming off of injury Mm -hmm. and i gotta i gotta know because you covered the entire a10 it feels like people are forgetting that who javante perkins is has been -hmm. in the past
2: yeah that's fair uh i think we called him at least maybe jim one of my colleagues uh he had him as a preseason all-american candidate two years ago before he hurt himself um obviously had a lot of hype and by all accounts he's fully healthy coming into this year so yeah maybe people are sleeping on him a bit on him a bit um you know gibson jimerson he's probably not as good as he is right now if that didn't happen that injury and he's gonna be better this season yeah.
0: with the guy who can take the who can stop the other teams from molesting him for forty minutes.
2: Is Perkins gonna like being uh, not the guy all the time, twenty four seven, not having to score as much? I don't know his personality. I'm just asking you guys. He
0: seems a bit quiet. Seems, like yeah. he's he seems like a like a soft spoken dude. Like I mean, I remember the videos coming up when I think they did a, a local story on him, and it just seemed like. You know shooting out in the playground who very yeah. relaxed so I, I don't it. i don't think that'll bother him so much uh, i mean emotionally right so right. i guess what the question is how does it affect his game not getting the ball constantly in his rhythm
2: yeah uh, what's the dynamic pro- right yeah
0: that would probably be the better question um it'll be interesting to see how teams defend the Billikins, right yeah. Uh, if at any given point you could have Yuri Collins, you could have Sincere Parker, uh Javante mm. Perkins, and Gibson Jimerson all walking buckets on the court. Probably the worst mm. defensive lineup you could throw out there.
2: Very true. Uh ignore too, right?
0: How how would you how, how do you think 8 10 teams would attack that?
2: Oh, I don't uh they're gonna score a ton. Their their offense is gonna be incredible. It it just matters, like I said, is there a clear pecking order? Is there a clear plan? I'm I'm sure there is. Um, but you've seen that before with guys with teams with too much talent, right? They're always good, but are are they elite, elite? Are they A-10 champions, for instance? Um, is there enough sharing of the ball? I think there will be in slew. I don't get the vibe that there's any of that. Collins is obviously a pretty unselfish player um, leading leading the charge, and Ford, I think, called him the, the number one point guard in the country, so that's pretty high praise. Probably some coach speak a little bit there, uh, but he is excellent. And then uh, guys like Batch and Hargrove, they know their roles. I'm not really worried about them either. Pickett as well, you guys. I went to Mizzou, so I got my own opinions on Pickett. But uh. <laughs> hey,
0: uh, you know, I I, I my, Pickett, I I don't see it yet. I I'm gonna give him Correct. a chance to be grimy, <laughs> gritty, uh, hopefully a leader vocally, which I've mm-hmm. heard great things about. I'll but, give him that. Yeah. So I I want to talk about Yuri Collins because. I want to get your take on it because I think that he's a great passer. Mm-hmm. I think he sees the floor incredibly well. I don't know if he has the floor general in him because mm-hmm. I see the, the 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 offense the offense ran god-awful without him against UNI and the NIT. It doesn't run great. I mean, he makes great passes that get easy buckets, but the offense specifically doesn't run great. Is that something you've noticed or... Am I off base here?
2: No, I mean, you could be right. His turnover rate is, what, sky high every year still? Like, everyone looks at the assist numbers like, oh, man, eight assists per game, this guy's awesome. He had, like, a 30% turnover rate last year. Mm-hmm. That's terrible. That's, like, really, really bad. That's that's hurt your team type of bad. Um, overall, I think it, he his, uh, his ability outweighs his negatives, which is basically just turnovers. He's also a pretty good on-ball defender, mm-hmm. I would say, just from – you know, third party lens here. And he also improved his shooting last year. So I would say all that outweighs his turnover stuff. As a senior, though, I'm hoping he kind of reels that in a little bit um, and, and becomes a little more consistent.
1: So the optimist in me thinks having Perkins back in addition to Jimerson mm-hmm. really changes a lot of that. What, what Zach really? and I have talked about a lot with Collins is that the offense gets bogged, bogged down when he tends to kind of over dribble or over penetrate, he gets in a little too mm-hmm. deep. He's It's more like he's looking to make the last pass than just kind of move the ball around sometimes. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times last year, like, and Zach and I know this, Jimerson was having his Jersey tugged. He was getting elbowed. He was getting pulled, hacked. Mm-hmm. He couldn't go anywhere to use Zach's word without getting molested all over the yeah. floor. <laughs> having Perkins back, hopefully eases a lot of that. And not to mention gives Yuri a way bigger weapon in transition, mm-hmm. um, but but the other thing that I think people are overlooking this season, and I want to get your thoughts on this, is how much have you seen sincere Parker play? Because in the limited uh, views that we've had in in exhibition or in some of the clips from uh, from our overseas tournament or you know few games a, few, a couple months ago, he can score a lot and he can score fast. He's not a good defender, but I think in a, in addition to having Perkins back. Um, Jimerson also has the benefit and Collins has the benefit of having Parker there too, to really get points.
2: I haven't watched a lot of them. I know his accolades. I know his first team, all, all American Juco status. He's top 10 Juco recruit by some people's opinions. Uh, obviously scored a ton in in college. Uh, I'd be curious if they play Collins and Parker together. Are they going to use Parker as a point guard, change of pace type of player? I guess you have to play them together since Collins plays so many minutes. Um, that does leave you a little bit vulnerable. If those two are in your backcourt, not not a huge backcourt, right on defense, um, but from all accounts, he's a really good scorer. It's just kind of unpredictable how JUCO guys do in year one coming to D one. Some guys mm-hmm. are successful, but you see a lot more often than not. It takes a year or two. Chief example was Tyon Grant Foster or Grant Foster, uh, can't remember one of the other. He was the number one JUCO recruit went to Kansas last year, two years ago, didn't do anything, right? Just kind of flamed out. So. It's kind of a crapshoot with these Juco guys, even though they are really good at that level.
0: I think I think where Parker has the benefit is that he can sit behind Javante for 25, you know, 30 minutes a game and then come in and, and get his off the bench, just be that instant yeah. offense. Um, but I, I want to know because you spoke with, travis ford actually you did interview and when you interview the coaches how does that you know what's your kind of what's your goal out of that
2: i want insight on how they're going to play i want like style notes now not every coach gives it it's mostly generic stuff sometimes um but i want to know like what what their style is play types you know their goals and obviously who's kind of being overlooked in the offseason who people should be paying attention to um Travis said Fred Thatch pretty much immediately was the guy that he thought improved. Obviously last season came on at the end of the year. And this year he thinks he's going to be uh, pretty important for slew this season.
1: And you list him as kind of your X factor for the team this year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and like I said, I think Hargrove is pretty much the same type of role guy as Thatch. and I think Pickett's kind of the same type of role guy. So you have three really, really solid guys that just do a little bit of everything. Um, don't need the ball in their hands. Don't need to score. And that's really important. That's probably being overlooked the most on this Slew team, besides Perkins and Collins and Jefferson. All the talent.
0: I want to talk about actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, uh, and I'm thinking that we're overlooking it too, is the front court. Not yeah. no. I mean the 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 gluttony of guards mm-hmm. for the Billikens, but we have decent depth in the in the front court. Okoro. Forrester, momo sise could come in if needed uh what what do you think what do you see of, about Forrester? Uh, he's kind of a, a after the exhibition we know a little bit more
2: but what What do you know about
1: him is he an upgrade over linson is the question I, is how i would frame that
2: that's i don't know i don't know i think he started a bit of temple if i'm not mistaken and i think ford told me uh he was surprised by how good he was in the off season so that's good facts um i i believe he can can he shoot? I can't remember. He can pass.
0: He pass. can really pass the ball, I think. Pete well, that's did. good. Yeah. That's what we were hearing out of the... the...
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he's going to step out and shoot much, but the thing that kind of as coming in, like his numbers from uh, previous seasons, his mm-hmm. rebounding numbers, um, Linson was not a great rebounder. Um, no. yeah. Really really efficient, effective offensive player, good finisher, good free, th- free throw shooter. Um, not a good rebounder, really, at either end. And I think that's... Something Ford has really emphasized going into this season, and I think that's something Forrester does better.
2: Yeah, and that so that's probably your replacement right there. I think is super solid. There's no arguments here. He's a beast on the boards, can protect the rim a little bit. Um, you know, Cise. I don't know. I haven't really seen much of him. Um, and then I, I know you guys have Daniel Rivera. I don't know anything about him, really. He's, he's kind hard. of a late signing. He, he, oh, he, yeah, he's himself. out for
1: the year now. Oh,
2: yeah. wow. That's a shame. But yeah. The, the, uh, I, uh, you're going to play a lot of Perkins at the four, which I think is great, honestly. Um, but aside from that, maybe a little bit thin at the five spot. Uh, I guess you could Forrester at the five sometimes.
1: You, uh, I I,
0: th- I don't think you can play Forrester and Okoro together. Not right, with as many yeah, guards yeah. as you have. You, you know, don't want I, to, I,
1: right? I don't think we're, I mean, it's it'll be the same as as before. We never saw um, Okoro on the floor at the same time as Linson. And I, I think that's going to continue, but I do think pick it. Um, and I, I, I've, other friends who are Mizzou fans too. Mm-hmm. And, and I know it's been rough going recently for, for Mizzou fans. Um, very, very. <laughs> when When you when you think about Pickett and his size at about six seven two fifteen, 215, I mm-hmm. do think that size projects a little bit differently in the A-10 than it does in the SEC because there's so much more size, athleticism, length in that conference than there is in the A-10. So I think he actually could be, as kind of that combo forward, uh, a little bit more... I don't want to say useful, but maybe effective um two ways in the A ten. Yeah, I wouldn't give him six seven. I'm six five is probably where he's, he's at. He's a
2: big body Cadillac. He's he's thick. He's uh, really he's, he's really cool. slow. He's really slow. Mm. <laughs> like, like he's slow. Maybe he's got maybe he's got a <laughs> off offseason, but it looked like he was moving in molasses. Now, to his credit, Brad Underwood after the Illinois game, Pickett plays really well against Illinois uh, every single year underwood complimented him a ton he said pickett's awesome he would start for me whatever whatever so he gave him a lot of praises so if you trust one of the best coaches in basketball about pickett you're feeling pretty good but most of the time when we watched him at the we were kind of scratching our heads wondering how this guy's even a d1 basketball player
1: hmm.
0: to be fair you were scratching your heads wondering Watch.
2: why that was a d1 basketball team that's very true yeah, I mean, he, he
1: still was, what, like the second leading scorer on that team or something?
2: He might have even been the leading scorer somehow. Uh, but he he was shot like 20% from three. Yeah. He was 48% from two and something like that. He's an okay defender. He works really hard. He's kind of like a – he's a team guy, right? He's a culture guy. Um, so that's important. He's an intangible guy. I think he will do well at SLU, but I wouldn't expect like all A-10 – Type of player from Pickett.
0: We're looking for. We'll take Goodwin Light,
2: (laughs) and we'll take Jordan
0: Goodwin Light. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's fine. I guess
2: Uh, that might be even too much to his credit, to be honest. But yeah, I'll give you that.
0: Well, Jordan. To be fair, Jordan Goodwin Light is really just like a a walk-on. Like without without (laughs) the intangibles. Without the intangibles, Goodwin isn't much. I mean, he's great. He's a He's a good player, but, like, the intangibles Mm -hmm. are Jordan Goodwin. Um, He had a great day today, by the way. Oh, did? Um, Yeah, yeah, he's in the NBA. How about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Impressive. From the – if you – say you're talking to non-Billiken fans now. You're looking – the Billikens have put together quite uh, a non-conference slate uh, of opponents. What game should be appointment viewing for the non-Billiken fan that's going to be the best game, you think?
2: All right, let me pull up their schedule real quick.
0: Well, I I can just I give got, you the ones that's probably going to be. I
2: got it in front of me now. Right. Memphis, boom, that's the one. Okay, Memphis, not, the game. Uh, so I think you guys can make an at-large at run mm-hmm. right at the tournament. You got to beat Maryland. That's a that's a key game, and I think you got to beat Memphis too. Yes. Um those are those are the key games. I don't think you're going to beat Auburn. No, SIU is a sneaky game. Ooh, they're pretty good this year. Are they?
1: Yeah. And watch out for them. Did you preview the valley as well? I did actually. Yeah. So our first game's against Murray State. And that's a really hard to kind of preview, which we're we're gonna try and do our best after we talk to you. But Mm -hmm. uh with so many pieces from so many places coming together. I mean, do you have any any kind of picture of what they're gonna be this season?
2: They're just brand new team. They got one guy back from last year, wasn't one of their top guys. Um, he's he's kind of like a picket, we'll say. Uh, but Steve Prohm is a good coach. He's done really well at that program before. Uh, he he, I think he even took them farther than uh, McMahon did last season in the tournament. Flamed out at Iowa State, took a year off, became a, a media guy for a bit. Um, but he's a good coach, so I wouldn't take him lightly. It's always a good program, and they're going to have talent. Uh, my slew buddy actually is pretty confident in slew winning or covering the spread in that game. Uh, so, all right. <laughs> Uh, SLU could be awesome. I could be totally, I thought I was high on SLU. I could be low on SLU. And in the public eye, they could be a top 25 team, I think. I mean, it, it's,
1: it's been pretty pretty much consensus has been that um, Dayton, SLU, and VCU are the top three. Those are the you top can, three. You yeah. can kind of quibble with two and three. I think more often than not, I've seen SLU as two, and certainly that's how it came in in the, you know, the official conference preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, Dayton seems to be coming out number one in all of them. And, and actually that kind of, kind of takes me to my next question is how do you see SLU and Dayton matching up this year? And um, what, what in particular, I'm kind of wonder, wondering about the Okoro Holmes matchup. Yeah. Um, Holmes has obviously got a lot of NBA scouts coming into their practices lately and looking at him and, and he is truly a prospect. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm, but I'm kind of wondering what, how do you feel about them coming into this season?
2: uh they're awesome really really good they're not healthy though malachi smith is hurt right uh if he's if he's out for an extended period of time that changes everything he is you know an amazing point guard for them i think they have a couple other guys out right now for various reasons as well more so reserve reserve pieces but still kind of adds up after a while uh i think sludin can go toe, toe toe to toe with dayton i don't see them way behind them i see them actually pretty close to even all three of those teams I have pretty close to even, but Dayton's going to get the upper hand with the way they finished last season and returning their top seven guys, whatever it is. And with the combination of Smith and Holmes were freshmen last year, the sophomore leap is always the biggest mover in college basketball, the breakout year everyone likes to talk about. So and
0: Holmes no, is not what? the
2: Conklin summer, though. The Conklin summer. No. Conklin summer. Conklin
1: summer. That's a uh, that's a very specific reference. Yeah, I don't I, get that a, reference. So we 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 had a player, Brian Conklin, uh, under Majeris, mm-hmm. who from his junior to senior year just made a huge leap and became. Okay. He, was great. And he, was, uh, he was a picket. I love that. He
0: was <laughs> a picket. He was a Linson plus.
1: Nice. So, so one of the things I've Zach and I have kind of talked about this a little bit is. And of course, we get so much clapback from from Dayton um, fans every time we mention this on Twitter or anything. Yeah, the arch
2: bearing cut, man, it's a rivalry.
1: It has become quite a rivalry, yeah. But so, so what, one of the points that I've made because you, you just talk about the sophomore leap being a big one, and this whole yeah. roster, Dayton is all sophomores, like literally the whole roster. Eleven out of thirteen guys. Now, I know that's a little third year sophomores, yeah, because they have a number of the yeah shirt sophomores. But regardless, they're all sophomores. And they've got more or less the same personnel as last year Mm -hmm. with one freshman and one transfer. They are kind of counting on all of those guys to continue to make progress, to make a leap year over year, Mm -hmm. which honestly just doesn't happen. You know, like there are always guys who kind of stall out a little bit, don't get the minutes they want, get hurt, whatever. Not everybody makes a jump their sophomore year. Mm -hmm. Whereas SLU, they're bringing back an older veteran core, and then they're they're bringing back a guy who was – a preseason all conference he was conference player of the year um who was out last season when we Mm -hmm. split with dayton by the way and we were um just behind them in the league um in the end and then you're bringing in you know one of the top scorers in juco you're bringing in a guy from mizzou who who, you know is going to play a role there um you're bringing in a a big man from temple (laughs) i guess my my question is why does everyone think that dayton has a higher ceiling given that they're just more or less the same team whereas slew actually has pieces that could i i think give them kind of a higher ceiling
2: well uh it's because of the age the age range of freshman sophomore the the potential to jump and also dayton finished two games ahead of slew last season in the a-10
1: yeah without javante perkins
2: without javante perkins for sure uh but it was a team full of freshmen for dayton they beat the national champions last year and Kansas. then
0: rattled off four losses
2: yeah. yeah uh before that whatever yeah. they lost whatever. to those three yeah they, those yeah. those were first weird yeah. stretch weird stretch <laughs> i i would say it, it's pretty simple with like the media voting you know the guys do these polls it's like oh that team finished higher and they bring back everybody They're right number yeah one.
1: it's yeah right it's, it's almost you like a, a mathematical formula it. yeah yeah it's I like the... when you're
0: filling out nfl picks and yeah. you're like that's 10 what... you're like oh look at the <laughs> records
2: exactly that's what that's all it is and I agree with your point about relying on so many guys to break out at the same time. In Dayton's case, I just feel Holmes and Smith, they're already all conference guys. Yeah. Kamara That's- is a junior really. I mean, he's already kind of proven himself. Um, so I think they're kind of, they're more established than their year suggests, I think.
0: So in your interview with Travis Ford, was there anything he mentioned that kind of just took you by surprise or um, oh man, something you thought was, you know, uh, interesting that maybe Pelican fans might be curious about
2: I wish I'd give you something really interesting this the interview was back in June or July, so I'm trying to think back besides what I wrote in the Almanac. It was pretty straightforward um he was pretty how many you know, how long was it? it? fifteen you... minutes okay yeah. maybe twenty yeah uh him him saying Perkins was full, fully hundred percent surprised me a c l seemed very hit or miss and i've seen guys come back super early and some late and he said he's going to be ready so i that was pretty surprising to me i thought he'd kind of take a bit to ramp back up but if he's full go yeah slew's pretty scary this season
0: yeah he had a uh, a rolled ankle late in the oh man fall but I, he is apparently now full go again that's good so at least it was just a just a roll of the ankle but <clears> uh
1: <throat> They're being very cautious with it. Yeah, oh, I need to.
2: But <laughs> yeah. going back to your schedule, though, schedule's tough. I mean, that's an yeah. at-large schedule, though, if you do pretty well in the non-conference.
1: Yeah, it's, I think it was rated by far the toughest schedule in the league this year. So certainly oh, yeah. we're set up for that. But, yeah, I got to win some games.
0: Kind yeah. of kind of funny, the, uh, the Goodwin-John uh, Morant matchup tonight. Goodwin oh, yeah. shut down Morant in the third quarter. Nice. Uh, and, of course, the Billikens are playing – Uh, Murray State on (laughs) Monday night. Uh, But yeah, um, go ahead and just before we let you go, uh, tell us how do we find you? How do we find Three Man Weave? What's this almanac about? How did it come together?
2: The almanac is a comprehensive college basketball preview magazine. Uh, It spans 814 pages, it's 1,300 words on every single team in the country. Uh, Attention was given to all the low majors as much as the Power Conference guys. So, no, like Lindy's one paragraph on, you know, Marshall or something like that. Uh, You get a full interview with every coach in every single preview. Uh, It's three man we, field of 68, verbal commits, and heat check. So, kind of a a conglomeration of all those groups coming together. And it looks really good. The design team did a really good job with aesthetics. Uh, It's $19.99 for purchase if you feel so inclined. And uh, my Twitter, our Twitter handle, Three Man Weave is 3 mw underscore CBB. There's a link for it uh, pinned to our tweet. If you want to check it out.
1: And I will add, if anybody's on the fence, it's it's twenty bucks and it's it's worth it. I mean, this thing is is absolutely comprehensive. It's 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 really impressive. I I have not seen. You know, I, I know a lot of other people. Like traditionally, there's been some pretty good almanacs out there, but this is like mm-hmm. next level. Like, like you said, it's 814 pages. It's a, it's a heck of a file, and this is a nice write-up on every team. Like, we 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 see a lot of preseason stuff written about Slu, and as as people who follow this program every day of our lives, there's never really anything new in there whatsoever. But when you take into account the whole conference here, what you've done for the A10, I think there's. I think there's some pretty good, uh, insights here and, uh, um, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this. So, so great work on this.
2: Thank you. Really appreciate it.
1: And yeah, go buy it if you're on the fence at all. I know the season starts, uh, today as you're listening to yeah. this, but, um, there's, there's still a lot of good stuff in here.
0: Well, Kai, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for taking the time. And, uh, again, awesome job with the Almanac. It is, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I can't, my brain can't wrap my head around like a, a Harry Potter novel of college basketball. That's right. So uh, yeah, again, congratulations, and uh, you know, have, enjoy the opening night of basketball
2: tomorrow. Yeah, you guys as well. Go Bills. Thanks for Go having Bills. me. Bills. Thanks. Thanks.
0: All right, Pete. So you've gone through the almanac, the the Billiken entry in the almanac. You've got the rest of the evening to read. 800 and something pages what what's your snack
1: oh zach that's an easy one you know i'm going with chips and salsa (laughs) and i appreciate the setup there i actually just got a new box a couple days ago from two men in a garden uh and i know i've mentioned before that my kids love when i get one of these uh my son just walked up to me by the way a few weeks ago and he goes hey remember when you got that box of pickles (laughs) <laughs> and I just uh and then he just started like giggling and then walked away. but yeah. <laughs> So I got another one and and I did I did four salsas, two pickles and one of the pickling pouches. Um, and one of the things I wanted to try, they have the sugar free salsa. They only sell it in a medium right now. Um, but if you think their salsas run a little bit on the sweet side, I tend to think they do. I like it, but I think they do run a little sweet um try this i think you'll actually like if if you're like if they could just take a little sweetness off of that what would that be like um this is this is the answer they're they're medium medium salsa sugar-free is or i guess no added sugar you know what i I don't remember exactly tomatoes
0: are packed with sugar anyway right right so i um, think i don't know
1: you know, and I, I totally. By the way, if they're listening, I would not be upset if you guys made the the hotter flavors in this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's actually it's fantastic. You know, it's the same, same ingredients, same texture, same everything as the others. It just doesn't have any added sugar, and it it cuts a little of the sweetness off, and it's it's great. Um, I I love I, I love it. I think it's it's great. I'm going to be buying it pretty regularly along with the hotter ones because I like to have some some heat around as well. Um, you can find this on their web store at and com. I love salsa.
0: Yeah, I'm hungry now. Um, I, I, you know what I'm hungry for, though, Pete? I'm hungry for some Billiken basketball. And we have our first game preview of the year. It's Murray State. It's Monday. It's November 7th. It's at Chaffetz Arena. Uh,
1: Pete, are you ready? I'm ready. I mean, this is you're not going to be hungry much longer, Zach. but it, like this is probably the hardest team to preview of all the teams on our schedule this year because like we said with Kai in the previous segment, yeah. um Murray State is almost entirely a new roster. They return one uh, rotation player and one guy who didn't play at all really last season. I don't he might even be a walk- on, but like the you know, twelfth or 13th guy. So they're all new pieces and and that makes them kind of kind of tricky to predict new coach new conference new everything
0: yeah first season in the missouri valley conference after leaving the ohio valley conference it seems like a revolving door out of the missouri valley much like the the 2011 2016 uh a10 uh people leaving people go or people coming people going um, steve prom prom i have no idea how to say his prom. name prom is back for a second Stin as head coach uh, and he had to re- rebuild the roster after Matt McMahon left for LSU.
1: Yeah, Mc- McMahon took a few Murray State players with him, but uh, you know they-, they scattered all over the place after he left. Uh, you know The roster completely blew up. Um, Murray State's p- picked to finish eighth in the Valley. Uh, Rob Perry, who's a junior guard transfer from Stetson, uh, is named to the preseason all-conference third team. Um, so usually a signal that there's there's pretty high expectations for a transfer if he winds up on an all-conference team for you know a bunch of coaches who haven't really seen him yet. They've only got the two returning players, like I said, senior Rod Thomas, sophomore DJ Burns, um, and 12 newcomers. That 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 includes five freshmen and seven transfers. Um so so Thomas hardly plays, but Burns, he averaged about six and six last season as a freshman. He's six seven, two twenty. So he's kind of a tough matchup for us. I think we're gonna we're going to run into those kind of like traditional power forward sized guys this season. Um, the, the
0: Hassan French, if you will.
1: Well, a yeah, little bit yeah. shorter, maybe not necessarily sure. A little bit taller. Sorry. Like sorry. Just not, maybe not as physically imposing. I mean, French had, you know, he, he, just incredible arms and explosiveness and everything. Yeah. I don't think that's, that's who this guy is. I just think we're going to run into a lot of traditionally sized college fours who are tough to match up with because we don't really have fours on our roster. You know, we've, we've got, we're, we're kind of playing a four guard thing again this year with a, with a center anchoring everything. So, um so, so that's going to, we're going to have some interesting matchups there. And then just two other names to draw attention to Uh slew fans might know the name Braxton stacker, who's a freshman from Cardinal Ritter. He's at Murray state. He played for Brad Biel elite AAU and had a slew offer at one point. Um, And then we also recruited a guy named Brian Moore, Um, who's a juco transfer guard on the roster but we uh he he actually did not play in the exhibition so he might be hurt um but just uh just a heads up on those two uh
0: steve prom he's back for a second stint what what i don't is is this from like the like the best murray state teams so, in recent years or I don't well know.
1: no i mean murray state's been good for a while um mcmahon i think they had like a 30 31 win season last year if 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 you remember that i mean yeah. murray state came oh they at,
0: were good last year. but i'm talking about is Prome the the developer of the the murray state that we know today
1: yeah i mean he was pretty successful at murray state so so he was there from 2011 to 2015 so just just four seasons um they did win the conference every year that he was there um unfortunately so I think this they...
0: is a bit of pride swallowing from yeah the, it,
1: it is i mean in a went... lot
0: of for a lot of people so i guess for the ad to bring back a guy who left mm-hmm. uh and then i guess for Prome to come groveling back to the people he left
1: well the kind of amazing thing is um uh, so yeah so he left for the iowa state job and if you're looking at his Iowa state tenure th- he's probably after two years, looking like a pretty good hire because he made the tournament in each of his first two years at Iowa state um, made the round of he, sweet 16, first year round of 32 um, came in second in the big 12, that, that second season. Um, and then Iowa state kind of hit hard times. They fell off big in his third season, kind of rebounded a little bit that next year and made the tournament again. And then um in his next two seasons, they went five and 13 in conference and then Oh, and 18 in conference. So by the time he was done at Iowa state, they had completely tanked. Um, and, and that's the year they, they went two and 22 the year he wound up getting fired. But, uh, but yeah, you're right. Pride sw- he takes a season off, um, does a little media swallows his pride and comes back to Murray state. Now it, it was a good program when he was there. It was a good program after he was there with McMahon at the helm um it's going to be interesting to see how fast he can get them back to success uh the the ohio valley looks a lot different now you know with uh, with teams that have or i'm sorry he's he's in the valley so so um he's not in the ohio valley anymore he's got the missouri valley and only belmont is uh is somebody that he's going to be familiar with there so it's going to be interesting to see if, if he can kind of return them to what they were in a new conference
0: uh they just recently played an exhibition on the second uh, they beat Brescia University,
1: 102
0: to 57.
1: Yeah, so that's, uh, I think it might be, yeah, I, I honestly don't even know how to say it. Brescia Brescia. Um, it's a small Catholic school in, in Western Kentucky nearby there, but they're NAIA. So 102 to 57, it's, it's, that's not, it's not like they were playing a D2 team like SLU did in their exhibition. I mean, this is, that's a tiny school that's NAIA. So yeah, you, you're supposed to win those games by 40.
0: Um, and you mentioned their projected starters a little bit so I think we can skip over that. Um, what do you what do you think out of this game what do you want to see?
1: I want to see um, so yeah like like we've said they're a tough team to predict um, I don't know what Vegas is saying about this game yet 12 I and 12 and a half. And a half. I mean, so. um, yeah that I mean that that's about fair I, I this is a game I would want to see Slew win it's a first game of the season. Um, anything can happen. I, I, I want to see us win by double digits is really what it comes down to. If we win by 10 or 11, don't cover the spread. I'm fine with it. Cause I don't gamble. Um, I just want to see us kind of look sharp, um, and, and, and play a a, a solid, not sloppy game, you know, yeah. like that, the exhibition
0: low turnovers.
1: Yeah. The exhibition, you know, there's a few question marks coming away from that game. Uh, can we keep the turnovers down? Can we force turnovers? Um, there's some things like that. Now, given that Murray State has so many new players, this is definitely the time of the season to be playing them, you, you know, before they've played that much game action with one another. So that's the kind of – that's one thing, even though I think they have some pretty good players. That's one thing that I look at that, you know, we should look pretty sharp against a team like that.
0: I think the only video you probably have on this team is that exhibition win too. So it should, it's going to be a tough scout.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. Um,
0: we've got an update from the NBA, Peter, and Jordan Goodwin had himself a triple nickel today.
1: Yeah, he did against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, were you able to watch any of this one, Zach?
0: I watched a bit of it. I kind of flipped it on, realized why I don't watch the NBA, flipped it off, saw somebody talk about Goodwin having a night, flipped it back on, and boy, was the kid shutting down John Morant.
1: Oh, was he really? Yes. He, yeah.
0: he would Jordan Goodwin's defense on John Morant, as mentioned on the board, uh, they were right. Uh, he, his third quarter defense against John Morant allowed a, a Wizards team that was struggling to score or tr- yeah. struggling to get anything going in that second half allowed them to get back in it in the third. Unfortunately, they ended up dropping the game at the end, but Goodwin played 26 minutes. Nine points, eight rebounds, five assists, two steals, one block, three fouls. He was a plus what, Peter?
1: Plus 12 in a game they lost by six.
0: What a fantastic game yeah. from Jordan Goodwin. Uh, he just continues to do well it, it, for this Wizards team, for this Unselled Wizards team.
1: He does. He um, One of the things I love here is his eight rebounds. It's just like this is a vintage slew stat line for him, by the yes. way. But those eight rebounds, four offensive, four defensive. I mean, it's just him creating uh, chances wherever he can. And this is a game where, like you said, the the Wizards struggled to score. They didn't have Beal today. Yeah. Um, and and he's going to be, you know, he's their number one scoring option. So without him to see Goodwin step in there, uh, earn his minutes with defense, um, that's, that's how he's going to find himself a, a roster spot in this league.
0: Yeah, there was a great moment. Uh, Morant's coming up the court and and he kind of has that, that I got into deep in the lane moment Mm. on a fast break and Goodwin's recovering. And he actually, I guess Goodwin's footsteps, whatever his pressure from behind caused John Morant to cough up the ball. So that was, that was a nice little moment. I thought kind of stood out to me. Uh, but again, great to see Goodwin, uh, in the league, hoping to get my, my Goodwin jersey soon soon um maybe I'll, and i'll wear it on the show uh, as soon as i get it of course uh pete there is some recruiting news out there uh there's an offer there's two offers for the uh class of 24
1: yeah we've been active in this class lately it's been about like one offer a week just kind of a steady flow um isaiah johnson Arigu is the first one he's a 6 7 190 pound small forward from minnesota uh, totino grace high school and howard Poley aau he's kind of a he's got good size you know 6'7, 190 but he's he doesn't look all that skinny um he's skilled he's fluid he's got kind of a smart smooth easy game nice playmaker he kind of scores in a variety of ways rebounds gets up and down the floor um i kind of like his game i like his flow um he 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 doesn't uh he doesn't force things he's he's a smart player um,
0: I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if Howard Pulley had any uh, relation to Randy Pulley.
1: No, no. Randy's from North Carolina. All right. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> different, different Proceed. part of the country. Proceed. Yeah. So, um, so uh, his, <laughs> his other offers right now are from Loyola, Chicago, um, Northern Iowa, Illinois State, St. Thomas and Hampton. So we're in a relatively early here, which is not the story with this other one. Um Peyton Marshall is a seven foot, three hundred pound center. Uh, what? Yes. Yeah. No. I, that's that's not a typo. That's a three, not a two. Uh, from Cal <laughs> High School in Marietta, Georgia, and Game Elite AAU. And the reason I say this is not like the previous one, he's a very high profile recruit. Not just because of his size, but he's 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 massive load at both ends obviously he dunks everything he can on offense and one of the things i really like about him is because he's so used to seeing double teams now because everybody's so much smaller than him he's developed into an excellent passer uh which is kind of fun to watch this guy like kind of get in the high post and and find teammates all over the place um defensively obviously he's a space eater he's got good length too though and he blocks and alters just about everything he's so he's a solid four-star recruit uh, kind of a fringe top 50 player he's inside the top 50 in a couple ratings um, systems and uh, by my count slew is his 24th offer so we go from being a guy's sixth offer to a 24th offer and most of them are from power conference schools too uh, he's taken official visits to auburn mizzou and penn state and normally zach it would look ridiculous to jump into a guy's recruitment who's got this profile this many offers, you know, this this late in the game. Well, not necessarily late in the game, but I guess it is if you're that stature of a uh, recruit. That's a big um, boy. But he was born in St. Louis and and he grew up, uh, the first 10 years of his life were in St. Louis. So when he tweeted out his announcement, he called SLU his birthplace school, which I, I love. i never heard that f- turn of phrase before. And then yeah, the the photo he used to announce it was a photo of Larry Hughes. Um, so I, I think he that. just kind of gets it. And uh, you you know you never know we may have a shot here. I think he's still got some family in the area. One of the replies to that tweet that I happened to notice was from his grandma, and uh, and she she said uh, she she had something very positive to say about St. Louis. So uh, so maybe she's still here and trying to get him back home. Uh, but anyway, you know I don't think it's an offer we would we would put out there if we thought we had no shot. So maybe we can get him on campus. Uh, the
0: part of the show. That I don't know if I'm like, I don't know if <laughs> <sighs> women's basketball.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, this,
0: my God. This I can't is a tell. Tricky one. I can't tell if I'm glad that I didn't go because I was about to go. I can't tell if I'm glad I didn't go and watch this or if I'm mad that I, I'm not able to give a full firsthand account.
1: Yeah. And the, the tricky part here is that like the men's exhibition, there was no way to watch or listen to this, um, which I had kind of hoped to do. Um, but, but just didn't have the option to unfortunately. And, and you're right. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Uh, this was against Maryville. It was on Thursday, the third, and, uh, the women wound up losing 78 70 Zach. And for a while it looked like it could have been worse.
0: Yeah. Uh, 24 to four deficit in the first quarter and
1: uh yeah that's at the end of the fourth first quarter by the yeah. way it was 14 nothing to start the game is, is my understanding
0: you're not I don't know how many teams in the nation could dig out of that hole
1: yeah even against a lower division team but it's it's not just that hole it's they they didn't really start to find their shot until late in the third quarter
0: yeah really you know, helped the slash line numbers in this one.
1: It did. It did. The slash line, it looked like it was going to be really, really bad. It winds, winds up being about 33% from the field, uh, under 31% from three. And, uh, you know, they shot 72.6% from the free throw line, which is perfectly respectable. But those uh, those would have been well below three had the shooting not gotten really hot in the in the fourth quarter.
0: Uh, Kyla McMakin went two for 16 and fouled out. 18
1: points a game at Longwood last season, Uh, all-conference third team heading into this season. She's supposed to be the Kaija Harbison replacement for SLU, the scorer. And uh, this was not – unfortunately, this was not a good debut. I mean, this is the weird thing, right? Because she's
0: clearly not a freshman. It's not like we can say she's been overrated coming in because people have watched her play basketball – for the last number of years. The, the, the only thing I can think about is this was a shitstorm of bad luck, a bad game. She ate some terrible fish tacos for lunch. I don't like, I have no idea.
1: Yeah. For a, for a split second, I thought, well, okay, here it is. You know, there's going to be a transition because she's coming from the big South which is kind of a lower tier D one conference up to the a 10. And then I was like, Oh, wait a minute. This is an exhibition game. (laughs) Like she's playing, she's playing D two here. So we're still a notch below like the big South. Like even though I think Maryville is in one of the better D two conferences, this is still an exhibition game. This is a lower division team. You got to win this game. It doesn't matter what D one school you are. Um, You should win this one on talent alone. That's right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, we did see some from uh, Camry Clegg who wound up leading slew with 22 points. She was six of 17 from the field, five of 12 from three. And almost all of those came um, pretty late in the game as she kind of heated up. You know, I want to point out though,
0: that there is a, a, a stark difference between the way women's basketball and men's basketball is played. And I'm sure everyone knows that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think this is the get type of loss you would ever see in men's basketball because it, women's basketball is such a, a game of finesse and a game of skill and a game of shooting that you can run into lower division teams that can shoot the lights out and you can be much more than you can run into. Well, it, it's much easier to out. Af- athlete somebody in men's basketball i think sure and it is women's basketball
1: now i mean you do have you still do have some exceptions i mean there was a a, a lower division school from north carolina that upset louisville last week right um we know uh, uh fred Pastello's school uh lemoyne when he was there they upset syracuse um there there are some other examples out there as well of you know these games kind of going uh sideways every once in a while but I, not I,
0: on this level I, like I, this is off the charts
1: yeah, yeah oh right to just be just completely um just smacked in the face like this yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i mean because that 78 70 score is um is generous you know yes. slew maybe had there been a fifth quarter maybe slew would have caught up but i i really don't know given that they had two players fouled out, and I think they had two more with four fouls by uh, yep. by the end of this one, um, which was actually kind of one of the, the stats that stood out to me, Zach. 31 fouls to Maryville's 19. Some of that is is obviously coming late yeah. um, as Slew is trying to make up the deficit, but they were leading in fouls the entire game. Um, just a, yeah, not great performance.
0: I think the interesting note in this game, the most interesting note, is how great of a game Julia Martinez stat-wise had. Yeah. Uh, fourteen points, uh, nine rebounds and four. Or, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Fourteen you gotta... points, nine rebounds, four assists off the bench. Why was she not starting in this one? That's the question. She's your senior point guard. I don't care who you brought with you. Martinez sticks around and has been on this team as a point guard, no, she's, yes, she's been not a great scorer in her four years here or three years here, but you have to run with Martinez. I think, uh, I think it's a slap in the face for somebody who stuck with you when you came, she's, you know, she had no loyalty to you, right? Mm-hmm. I think, I think Martinez should be starting. Unless yeah, McMagan's a point guard, a pure point
1: guard. No, McMagan's a scorer. Yeah. Um, you know, she is like, like so the starting lineup here was Clegg, McMakin, uh Brooke Flowers, who had a very quiet six and five, um, Peyton Kennedy, and then Kennedy Calhoun. Calhoun is the, uh, I think she would be the point guard. She's the the sophomore that she brought from Longwood, um, who was kind of going to be there, you know, Longwood's next, uh, she was going to be their point guard for the next few seasons. Um, so brought her over she didn't do a whole lot you know i mean she she played 19 minutes and fouled out um with with 4 points and sounds uh, like my
0: stat line in cyc
1: and two assists oh yeah trust me yeah <laughs> i had no shortage of those in my uh, in my day either but yeah so so that that does look kind of that that does raise an eyebrow at least you know it's one thing if it's a returning player who starts and and um you know you're going to make her your your sixth off the bench, but, um, but yeah, to, to see her outperform the actual starting point guard in this game by that much. Um, it's, it's kind of like, maybe you think Calhoun is, is the next leader of this program, but not yet. She's just clearly not there yet. Yeah. Or I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm hoping it was something like you said, and they just had a, a bad day.
0: Uh, SLU had 18 turnovers to Maryville 16. So not, not crazy, uh, dis, um, you know, difference there, Uh, 31 fouls to Maryville's 19, uh, 21 offensive rebounds that translated into 16 more field goal attempts in Maryville. Mm. So these were not making anything.
1: Yeah, especially Uh, in the first
0: half. Yeah, Maryville cooled off a bit late, uh, didn't score for the last 6 minutes and 34 seconds of the game. Uh, Kind of more or less what you want to see from a Billiken team against Maryville. Uh, points from the line, 27 to 12, and I think it might have been around 21 to 12, uh, or 21. Maryville would have only had about 21 points from the I don't know. They, before, they, before they started fouling. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, I really don't know what to make of this. I'm very, very, I'm now intrigued for tomorrow morning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you're starting with a road game against a Valley team and that's a, you know, the Valley is not bad. It's, no, it's, it's, it's similar in men's and women's, you know, where these teams kind of line up. I think they, a 10 men's basketball is is stronger relative to the field than women's is, but still, um, the, the Valley is, is, a if not peer than, than close, but actually in women's, it's a stronger yes, um, it conference, you know, um, whereas men's it's kind of it's flipped a little bit but um but yeah this is going to be a tough test uh indiana state was picked to to finish eighth in the league they went 11 and 20 last season so they're not a top half valley team it's not like we're facing uh you know the jackie styles missouri state or anything like that but um
0: it's literally the first person i think of when i think missouri valley women's basketball
1: (laughs) she is she's on the mount rushmore of it that's for sure absolutely uh but but yeah this you know starting out on the road it's it's not gonna be easy.
0: No, it's not, uh, and that is at ten a.m. today. Uh, if you, <laughs> we're going, we're, we're rolling in close to an hour and a half on this episode, so uh, you may not even get to this point before that game starts. So
1: yeah, turn it on right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, go turn it on on silent while you're listening. Um, moving on over to men's soccer, uh, Pete, a little bit of RPI flux for the Billikens.
1: Yeah. The, the, the RPI here, it looks like um, I'm going to see if it's updated. It has not. Unfortunately, the men's have not updated. I guess they wanted to get the women's updated first, but um, as of the 30th um, men's soccer, the RPI is down to 23. Um, They were number 19 before that. So that's kind of a bummer that despite beating number 43 Dayton and number 103 St. Joe's last week, moved down four spots. Um, I still think the men are right now on the inside um, of the, of the cut line, but it's still kind of, you know, you still kind of scratch your head a little bit when you see him drop, especially because they're back in the rankings. Uh, Where number 20...
0: Billiken soccer team should be.
1: That's right. That's right. Number 21 in the coaches poll, uh, 25 top drawer soccer poll. And then uh, number 28, college soccer news does a top 30. Um, so, so back in the rankings and they had a solid week, just one game, Zach, but it it went well.
0: Yes, this one took place in uh uh the Wizard of Oz world. Um <laughs> it was uh it took place in Kansas. What what city in Kansas was that? What town? Did they I don't was, think it, was it just anywhere? Uh, yeah, I think it's
1: just Kansas.
0: All right. Um a one oh win at a blustery Herman Stadium against the eight seated UMass Minutemen in the eight ten quarter final on Friday, November fourth. Uh Fifth minute, an absolute beauty of a goal scored by CJ Coppola, Peter.
1: Yeah, John Klein and Lane Warrington got the assist here, but it was really Klein who he swung in a perfect cross and Coppola was right there to head it home. Um Klein was back to his, you know, Yuri Collins assist man days there and and uh and just gave it to him perfectly. Um and and surprisingly, that was all they needed in this one. Um, yeah, it was it, really, it was, it was scary. Really, it was both teams against the wind from there on out.
0: Yeah, it was. And I think, uh, I think for sure, uh, St. Joe's, uh, I, I definitely think I would have preferred taking, uh, the, the wind coming at me yeah, to start in the first half. Yeah. Just the way St. Joe's played it out. And then, uh, unfortunately, U-mass. or UMass, sorry, UMass played it out. Uh, but it was a major factor in this one. We could talk about the stats, but nothing says more than first half or second half, Pete.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny, even to look at the box score and kind of see that that little diagonal symmetry here. Uh Slew outshot UMass 13 to one in the first half, and then they were outshot 10 to 5 in the second. So um it's it's kind of incredible. You've got 23 of the 29 shots in this game coming at one end. The only thing, Zach, I would say about taking the win to start the game um, is maybe you're counting on that win doesn't last for two hours. Yeah. You know, maybe you go, hey, this is what it is right now. But if I take this in my face um, to start with, and, what if it shifts and we concede? And what if it dies down at at you know at before halftime or in yeah. the second half or something like that? So I think that's that's maybe the only thing I could see there is to just kind of. That's a Go great point, w, actually.
0: No. no, that's a great point. Uh, I think I think this was a game about who was going to be the most critical on defense and who was going to make the least amount of mistakes.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, yeah, and it, who
0: was going to read the way the ball was moving well and make sure that that ball, when in doubt, get it the hell out.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah you're right. I mean, on a, on a day where we saw a, a, a throw-in, Literally end up behind the player who threw it. The ball
0: didn't even cross the uh, the sideline.
1: Yeah, and this is this is like I mean these are like strong, in shape college dudes. Yes,
0: Yes, he was throwing it sort of down the line, throwing it
1: hard, and the ball just goes up and then back behind him. I I I swear I've never seen that happen in a game before. Um, It was it yeah it was like a boomerang.
0: Um. Shots on goal seven to UMass is four. Corners were seven to four Billikins. fouls. UMass had 14. Billikins had seven. Uh, two yellow cards in this game for the Billikens. Brian Johnson and Alberto Suarez. UMass only had one yellow card. Uh, the Billikins will host number six Dayton on Wednesday uh, after they, uh, or after, sorry, Duquesne gave up a, a goal lead in the second half of their game uh leaving Dayton the highest or the lowest seed sorry in the it tournament was L- LaSalle.
1: LaSalle LaSalle yeah yeah because Duquesne wound up beating LaSalle yes um uh, after LaSalle scored first
0: yes so Dayton is left to be the lowest seed in the tournament and with the way it recedes mm-hmm. uh, the Billikins being number one they will host Dayton
1: um, now as a reminder Dayton was ranked earlier this year yes and the only reason they wound up at the number six seed is because of a three-way tie and loyola wound up with the four dayton wound up with the six so it was kind of a funky thing um dayton is much stronger than yes. what you know an actual 60 they're 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 really like a, a three or a four in this conference now, however
0: so. however the best performance of the billican season was the game at bojan field a couple weeks ago
1: that's true that is it true it was an
0: absolute clinical 3-1 billican win um on the other side of the bracket duquesne hosts number four, Loyola. uh, And I believe those games will run concurrently Mm -hmm. uh, Wednesday the 9th at 7 p.m. with the final on Sunday the 13th. Hopefully we have to worry about this. It's 11 a.m. St. Louis time.
1: That's right, yeah. Hopefully it'll be a nice nice morning at Herman Stadium if everything goes well.
0: Uh, Billiken Volleyball uh, beats up on a bad, bad Fordham team this weekend, Friday the 4th uh november 4th uh 25 16 20 25 25 22 25 22 mattingly six kills lynn 23 assists rogers 21 digs uh saturday's game has an interesting stat line in here that i, I don't know i it confused the hell out of me hearing this person's name because i not heard it all season mm-hmm. um 3-0 win at fordham saturday the 5th 25 18 25 16 26 24 Welty for the Billikins leads the team and kills in this one
1: lily Welty is a senior out of uh, middleton wisconsin and yeah she just has not really been a factor in the statutes this season
0: yeah i don't understand how like I, I, you you control who gets the attacks right mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I, I don't understand anything that happens with this team Uh, Welty, 13 kills, Lynn, 20 assists, Rogers, 20 digs. Bilkins have won four straight after losing seven of the previous eight. Uh, their final regular season series at home versus Duquesne on the 11th and 12th. Um, also before we get out of here, gotta shout out field hockey ladies, uh, sat in front of them for the, uh, the soccer game today. They were awesome. Uh, super nice. Um, Get out and support a field hockey game. One. Just get out to one. Uh it's tough, I know. And we learned, well, I, I'm not I won't say I won't say what I learned about it, but we did get some clarity on the field situation. Um actually, you know what I'll say it. Um the Queens College head coach threw a fit about Sportport's turf. And so the field the game got moved to the college or the to Principia and uh what was the MIC, other one? MIC, MIC, yes. Yes. Yeah. And and to note, uh, the billikens started winning when they moved from Sportport. That's
1: yeah, that is notable. They, that they, is notable.
0: Um, but yeah, that uh any last notes? This was a massive episode, Pete.
1: It was the uh I just want to point out um to, to swing it back around to women's soccer, um, they did update the RPI already normally i know when we record they have not updated it for the week and then we shut it down and then they'll update it like right away Mm -hmm. um they did update the women a little bit earlier today because um they wanted to have all the results in before the bracket announcement um and i say today sunday so we're going to hear about the bracket today as you listen to this monday um slew is number eight in the final rpi Um, They're right ahead of Arkansas, who they beat earlier in the season, who's number nine. Notre Dame's up at number four. Um, If that holds, if they stick to that, that would mean a two seed for SLU, and that would be a big deal. I would be plenty happy with the fourth two seed. Um, That's not to say that's exactly what will happen, um, but it's certainly in play. And SLU, um, as we all know, has the most wins, most goals. Uh, the longest winning streak, they've got the best road record. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to slice this and make them look like uh, one of the best teams out there. So, hopefully, that turns into a two seed for Slough.
0: Absolutely. Uh, that wraps up the week that was in Billiken Athletics. Follow us on Twitter at Midtown Mad at Peter is a tweeter, at Zach Miller MMP. We are closing in on Twitter to 900 followers. I think
1: yeah, we're almost at 900. Let's get, yeah. let's get to a thousand.
0: Yes, let's get let's get to 900 by the game tomorrow. Uh, we're at 884. Can we get 16 followers uh, from the from? Actually, nobody's gonna hear this probably, but they've already turned us off. As soon as I said that, that wraps it up. Um, unless they're hanging on to listen to the band. Uh, <laughs>
2: uh,
0: follow us on Instagram at Midtown Mad Pod. Peter. I just realized it, too.
1: Yeah. It, um, just, it just hit us. It just hit us. You... So,
0: hold. Pause for the cause. One minute, 37 seconds later. All right, Bill Gaffet. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> apparently, you're going to have to tune in to the very end of this damn show uh, to find out the winner of the 19 9 giveaway giveaway. Uh, Instagram handle, tstack3, uh, named Tim Stack. Oh. So uh, shoot us a DM, Tim, and on Instagram, and we will get uh, your shorts and gym bag out to you. We're gonna, we'll tweet it out too, uh, post it on our Instagram, uh, but we'll do that uh, tomorrow. After,
1: after we drop the episode. After we
0: drop the episode, we'll post yeah. it on Instagram, because uh, we know not everybody listens. People just, some people enjoy our, our social media content. Anyway. Tim Stack, congratulations. Uh, Enjoy the shorts and the gym bag. Uh, The shorts are awesome, I'm wearing them currently. Fun fact. Um, We also appreciate any and all suggestions you might have for the show. Uh, Please go subscribe on all platforms and leave us a review if you feel like it. Uh, As always, Pete, go Bills.
1: Go Bills.